So it'll be a little more than 48 hours before the uh, Grapefruit League season starts. Woohoo! Be something approximating real, honest to God baseball. And uh, we will have the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet television Saturdays. The Jays take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And um, all games will be streamed on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And uh, a select number of games will also be live on Sportsnet 590, the fan. I think weekend games and, 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 and one game a week will be available on Sportsnet 590, the fan. So you can stay uh, you can stay tuned. You can follow on social media, Kevin Barker, to find out what the exact schedule is. The Jays had photo day yesterday, and Mark Shapiro took the opportunity to address the media. Uh, a relatively lengthy conversation with media members. Kevin, most of the discussion... Uh, as relayed by Shai Davidi in his article on Sportsnet.ca, dealt with uh, the ballpark, dealt with the Rogers Center, and I and and um, you know, much talk about the outfield dimensions, and it really gave Mark a chance to reinforce the idea that you know, look, this um, this first of two overhauls of the stadium focuses mostly on the fan experience. We've talked about the raised bullpens. There will be a trickle-down effect for the players. The raised bullpens uh, will allow for more areas for prep time underneath, things of that nature. But by and large, the ballpark itself, most of the work that has been done has been done to increase the fan experience. Next year, the uh, players' clubhouse will be over overhauled the weight room will be overhauled and and one thing i found really interesting is mark shapiro also said that uh you know the jays are starting the year on the road this year with the long road trip probably going to do the same thing next year as well because the stadium will be receiving some major uh some major renos but that was the main thing um lots of talk about the outfield fence again and and it's kind of going over old ground but the idea that I think needs to be taken from this was that the ballpark has been redesigned with the fan experience first and foremost in mind. Um, all the Blue Jays R&D folks suggest that the ballpark itself will be neutral. I mean, a lot of the stuff has been covered, uh, has been covered in the past. And of course, nothing's carved in stone. Uh, there, you know, there, the Jays do have some wiggle room in terms of the outfield fences. Uh, a lot of that depending on, uh, on the construction, on the actual, the actual engineering involved in uh in the finished product so uh, that occupied a lot of the discussion but also uh, no surprise we've talked about this a lot and we'll be joined by ryan spielborgs later on to talk about this as well Uh, but also the idea that uh, major league baseball uh, as of the first game of the regular i'm sorry the first game of the grapefruit league season kevin will be uh will be using uh, the pitch clock and and you know the restrictions on shifts will be in effect and the larger bases will be in effect and things of that nature and i found because we've gone back and forth about this kevin i found mark shapiro's thoughts on this interesting uh and i haven't really heard him or anybody else for that matter articulate him articulate it this way the rules changes but he said look he said i'm not one of those people who thinks the game is you know i'm not an apocalyptic thinker 
I'm not a type of person that thinks if we don't make these changes, the game is going to die. I mean, clearly the game's never been healthier than it is financially. That's just kind of a silly argument. But he did say that he was more concerned with growing the game. And his thought was that these rules changes are designed more to 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 broaden the experience for fans, to create more action, to draw to draw fans in. And I hadn't really heard it articulated that way before and that kind of I mean that really does turn it into a positive almost it's not that you're not doing this to prevent the game from dying you're doing this because you think it is a way of increasing uh, of bringing in more fans and, and Kevin I mean look we've looked at the same stuff the minor leagues generally the reaction in the minor leagues from fans players administrators to all these rules changes has been really good yeah, I think so. Look, again, I've said this when, as soon as we started talking about the new rules changes that it's, I think we're overthinking it. Now, the pitch clock, there is some things there, right? There is when you start really digging into it and, you know, it's like the Bassett thing. That's a great name to bring up because of how many pitches and, you know, what if they have one game plan going in and, and three or four of the pitches because there's going to be starts like that where it's just not working. How do you get on the same page quickly and still have quality stuff? That's the one thing. And if you look at it as a hitter's part of it, I was thinking about this last night. What if that hitter has a 10-pitch at bat where he's fouling off four, five, six pitches? That's not the easiest thing to do mentally. And Mm -mm. sometimes you need to back up a little bit and collect yourself, and that's going to be where that relationship between the umpire and the player. And you just got to understand, right, what's taking place here. Big picture, it's all right in front of you. These guys are elite athletes. I Again, I do think we're we're sometimes making a little bit too much out of it, and and you know maybe overthinking it when it comes to the the mindset of a player. But I do think there's little parts to it that guys are going to have to take steps back and 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 really think about honing in and and just overcoming and and saying this is probably better for the game and and this will make people want to watch us more, which is a is, which is best for everybody. So I'm 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 excited to hear Mark talk the way he talks about those kind of things and and I'm excited to watch it. I I can't wait for the first game of spring training. I I don't know if I've ever said that, Jeff. That I can, no, that I I'm can, with you. can't I'm you know with can't you wait completely. for a spring training game, but I I really can can't wait for for these things to take Alec Manoa taking the mound how's he going to look is it going to be in a hurry you know what's the optics going to look like it's going to be intriguing to watch yes uh, and yeah I think we may see this year we we may see an awful lot of players having issues with their contact lenses or dirt in the eye this year <laughs> maybe I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out in the maybe. limb and say that there's gonna be an awful lot of that God, I gotta step out man I got something in my eye hang on for a minute I or uh there are going to be a lot of mystery fouls off the shins or something like that. I just, Jeff, I just hope there's some common sense there. It's like that at bat I just brought up, where that guy is just he, he's he's well, battling and he's fouling okay, a let bunch me ask of pitches off, and that's not the easiest thing physically. I just hope there's some common sense there. That's all. Let me ask you this: as a former player, how would you rather umpires enforce this thing? Do you want it? Right out of the gate in spring training, this is the way it's going to be done. You know, you may, you may be penalized for it, but hey, this is okay. Now I get a feeling of what this is about. It's not going to happen the next time. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have kind of a gradual thing? You know, like a warning, like hey, you were a second second late stepping in the box there. Next time, I'm gonna I'm gonna ring you up. How would you rather have it as a player? 
Look, it's just not like they, they woke up uh, yesterday and, and this has been thrown on them. They, they, they've known this has been coming. You know, they, they uh, are preparing mentally to figure out ways to hurry up, get the sign, throw the ball, do everything you have to do to, to you know, be the best you can possibly be offensively and on the mound and, and also as a catcher. I, I think in spring training, I think you got to rip it off like a Band-Aid. I just, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of those things I just think it's better for everybody. If you start easing into it then it's then you cause gray areas right, for a exactly. lot of different people yes. instead of just saying here it is here's the rule but i get back to that jeff there has to be certain parts of baseball games where there's got to be the big boy in the room where there's a little bit of common sense you see a dude and they're battling and there you see that pitcher hitter battle and it's a 10 or 15 pitch at bat you gotta have a little common sense here right it can't but be can one of those you you can't you can't with I, the you can't with the clock Though the clock is not going to lie, right? And everybody, in the, and this is the thing: everybody in the stands is going to see this. We're all going to see it. Yeah, it gets back to that. You're talking about the contact lens. You know, maybe an umpire can 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 call timeout and have a little common sense and say, you know, a couple dudes here are getting after it, which is kind of cool to watch. I'm not saying this is going to happen all the time, and I like the rule. I think this has to be done to make the game better and easier to watch. I don't so much think it's a you know the extra twenty minutes uh, that it's going to take away from the game. That's not for what for me that I'm going to be looking for. It's more about the action and how quickly you're going to get it between elite guys at their positions. I just think sometimes, you know, you got you got to be a little smarter about it. And I do think that that I'm sure the umpires and, and Major League Baseball have had conversations and 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 said, look, I, I get what the rules are, but. You know, it's it's a, it's a, sometimes got to be a situational thing. But back to your point and your question about how should they go about this? Rip it off like a bandaid. It's not being thrown on them all of a sudden. They've they've they're mentally and physically prepared for this. All these teams that we've been watching on the MLB network, we talked to the Jays. I've talked to other teams, other players on other teams. They're doing the same thing. They're preparing for it. So rip it off like a bandaid and let them go out there and figure it out. The uh, other thing that's been noticeable around camp, and we've, we've, we've picked it up just watching some of the video from camp, both you know, the, the video on Sportsnet and the, the video and the picture, pictures, Kevin, that, that reporters have been, have been sending along. Almost every time I look at something or somebody, I see Don Mattingly nearby. Hmm. Uh, we know that Victor Martinez has joined the organization as a special consultant. And well, I, he's joined the organization. I have no idea what his role is 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 going to be yet. I presume that'll be a little a little clear. I have uh, heard it's a lot about the mental side of, of Paul baseball. Quantrill is back with the organization. We're told that there's a chance that Pat Henkin will be around camp again. Edwin uh, may be rolling around camp at some point as well if he's not there already. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, I there's a lot of there's a lot of folks talking hitting around the Blue Jays right now. As a player, understanding as you have you've made clear to us time and time again, Kevin, that your as a player, your first point of contact is with your position coach. In other words, as a hitter, you spend way less time with the manager than you do the hitting coach. Pitcher, you spend way less time with the manager than you do the pitching coach. This makes a certain amount of sense. But camps you were at, 
guest instructors, how much of an impact did they have on what you did to get ready? And understanding, of course, that there's a difference between Kevin Barker in his first or second major league camp, Kevin Barker in his fourth, fifth, or sixth major league camp. But what role realistically do guest coaches have? And I know Don Mattingly's not a guest coach. Don Mattingly's the bench coach, so we'll leave him aside. But what what role can these guys have? Is it just a uh, is it just a different voice, or or is it more all about the mental stuff? And then when it comes to your mechanical stuff, you trust your coaches because those are the guys that are going to be dealing with you during the year. Yeah, I think those, those all those names that you mentioned have done it at the highest level, and this is what the Blue Jays players are trying to get to and consistently stay there. And if one guy, one of those names that you mentioned, can say one little thing that could turn that in the direction to where you can consistently be a thousand percent the player that you want to be and can handle failures, that that's what separates great from good. Is how do you handle the failures? And you know, Jeff, well as anybody, baseball's made up a bunch of failure. And if you can talk to some guys that, that can tell you that they've been there and done it before, and how did you get out of an O for 15? How did, you know, what, what did it take? Is there a certain thing that you did? Did you go in a cage differently? Did you not do things? Like some little thing that, you know, you have a different conversation with every single guy and listen. I used to do that. Like there was all kinds of different guys that you could go up to. I used to uh, sit around with Jeff Jenkins and Rod Carew all the time because they were two opposite ends of the spectrum. One guy took big daddy hacks. One guy was trying to soft serve ball to left, but the Hmm. conversation was differently on how they got there. And if you can get somewhere in the middle and figure out who you are, which is sort of what these guys are trying to do. They're trying to be elite players and win championships. And if you can have a conversation with a certain player who's actually done it, before and consistently done it. You mentioned Don Mattingly for about a five-year span there until he hurt his back. He's the best hitter on planet Earth. Like he's no, he's going to be a Hall of Famer for a like, long, long time. No question, he was King Kong. So anything you know, you could take from him and pick his brain. Uh, just about being a baseball player at the highest level is beneficial to everybody. And again, give give the Blue Jays credit that they're bringing these guys in and they understand how hard baseball is. And the sooner you can get all of these guys as much information. Now that much information means to, you don't want to overwhelm them. And that's for me up to the player, right? You can, you can let a little go in your ear and a little out. I was never that real good when I was young, Jeff, letting it go out one ear out the other ear. I always kept everything and tried to take a little bit from everybody. And that's impossible to do, but all the players that I've talked to around the Blue Jays who are everyday guys get it. They they sort of have their thing, and now you're just trying to refine it and be that much better. And if you have guys who've been there and done it before and you can take a little from them, it, it's only going to get you there quicker, which is the ultimate goal because they're trying to win this year. I guess one of the storylines people are monitoring in spring training right now is Alejandro Kirk and how he is not, again, this – may change today. I've not seen anything in social media. But how he was not yet in camp. He's in Mexico awaiting the birth of uh of 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 the this couple's child. Uh he is scheduled to play for Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, which means I I think March sixth, seventh, someplace around there is when is when players are gathering at their at various sites to prepare for the WBC. You're starting to get the sense from 
things we're hearing from folks at spring training that the Blue Jays are almost getting to the point, Kevin, where they're going to, shall we say, strongly suggest to Alejandro Kirk that he focus on the Blue Jays and that he uh, pull himself out of the World Baseball Classic. Uh, and he will not be. Nick Pavetta pulled himself out of the Canadian team because of the flu. I mean, guys, there's a very fine line here. And I'm not saying that everybody's looking at every excuse to get out of this thing, but guys know where they're going to be paid. <laughs> guys know what they have to do to get paid. And if anything impacts on their ability to earn money at the major league level, they're going to they're gonna punt. They're going to err on the side of caution. From, from your point of view, is there any plus? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this. Is there any plus to having Alejandro Kirk play for Mexico? And, and, and the reason I ask that is when the, the first World Baseball Classic was played, I remember, of course, there's always the debate. Okay, it's great for the game. Grow the game internationally, et cetera, et cetera, but there's always a chance of injury. There's always a chance you take the guy out of his camp and everything. There was a certain thought, though, that, for example, in Team USA, it wasn't the worst thing in the world for a young player to be in a locker room or to be in a clubhouse and look around and see Derek Jeter to his left and, you know, in, in this year's U.S. team, God, Mike Trout to your right, um, you know, JT Realmuto, got a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of a lot of your peers, a lot of all-stars. Is there anything to be said for that still for a young guy going into that situation? Are you are, are you of the opinion that, you know what, any excuse to pull a guy out of the WBC, you pull him out of the WBC? Yeah, look, I, you never want to tell somebody that they, they, they can't play for their country if that's what they want to do. But I will say this, with the elimination of the shift, there's never been more importance put on game planning before a game actually happens with catcher-pitcher than it's going to be this year. Now, I understand game one, it's his guy. If Alec Manoa is your opening day starter, he's getting the catching duty. Now, obviously, he knows Manoa really well. If it's not going good, what do you throw? Where do you throw it? Where do you set up? All the things that it takes to get him through a quality start. But then there's everybody else. And you would think this thing goes a couple more days. I, I think the decision has to already be made. And maybe it has already been, and they just haven't told us that, you know, they need him in spring training to be getting these things done and going through the the – the you know the bulk plays and all all the things the new rules and and the game planning all the things that it takes to get Alejandro Kirk on the field and be the best player that he can possibly be and yeah look again I I think that's a slippery slope but man when it I, you know again it gets back to sort of like Vladdy and and Barrios at least they're getting time with their team before they leave which is a big deal. It's sort of like that coaching thing. You spend more time with the coaches, your coach, your pitching coach, your hitting coach, than you do your manager. And it's sort of, if you have that little time, your infield coach, Louis Rivera with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., saw him taking ground balls, all those pivot moves and footwork. And, you know, you get to do those things. You get to see him up close and personal for a couple of weeks before he actually has to go to do that. Now that Kirky's not been there, been able to do that, I just... You never want to tell anybody you can't, but I think that's getting real close if it hasn't happened already. Speaking of the World Baseball Classic, Shai Davidi just reporting that uh, left-handed pitcher Ben Onishko from Winnipeg has been added to the Canadian team for the WBC. Uh, he spent last year at AA Arkansas in the Mariners system, striking out 43 and 53 and two-thirds innings. 
uh, over 43 games. He's taking the place of Nick Pavetta of the Red Sox, who officially withdrew yesterday as a result of uh, stomach viruses. And, and again, we talked about how guys don't want to miss uh, much of spring training, especially Pitt. I mean, let's face it. The, we we always used to say in the past that the only thing spring training really was good for was to getting the, for getting the pitchers ready and getting the pitchers built up. And I think that's even with the rules, Kevin. Even with the rules changes, it's still I think largely about getting your pitchers built up, isn't it? And yeah, you want to get on a routine as fast as possible. Uh, and and you know it's kind of been complicated a little bit now because what a lot of teams have done is they will keep their pitchers away from some of the teams uh, they're going to face a great deal in at the major league level, especially early in the season. That's going to be a little harder this year because you're going to be playing because of the schedule. But, you know, in the past we saw, for example, the Jays might keep a guy away from the Yankees if they were in spring training, if they were playing the Yankees early in the year. Uh, that'll still probably be in play a little bit here. But but again, I can kind of see that with a guy like Nick Pavetta, right? If you're a pitcher, you don't want to you don't want to at all uh, interrupt any type of routine. Yeah, well, you think about it because of the new rules, Jeff. Just just look at the the Blue Jays rotation. You mentioned Manoa, a little faster worker, maybe a third pitch. Gosman, the balk thing. You want to see that up close and personal. You want to work on that. You want to gain some confidence. Chris Bassett, the clock, right? That internal thing, getting it down and and getting it to him in a hurry so he can get the sign and gather himself and get on the mound and throw a quality pitch. Barrios, he's reinvented himself. It sounds like you say Kikuchi. Do you really know what you're getting? Mitch White. I mean, I, there's reasons why these guys are coming to spring training on contending teams is they you want to see them up close and personal you want to be with your pitching coach you want to be with your hitting coach but you want to gain confidence throughout that spring training you want to know that the things that we talked about going into the offseason that you worked on is starting to work in spring training and that for me is I never had that opportunity because I was fighting for jobs. It wasn't about me going there and working on things. Uh-uh-uh. It was about me getting hits and driving the ball to left center and catching every ground ball and diving all over the place and going first to third and first to home. But it's to each his own. Everybody coming into camp knows what they have to do. And if you're a guy that you know can take a step back and work on some things and gain confidence, which is what most of the guys with the Blue Jays roster is trying to do, the 26 guys, but and then there's a lot of other people. So yeah, I think so. It's it's uh you know as much as they spend on these guys and as much as they put on their plate in the off season, you love to see it in front of you. You like to see that what you've told them they've been working on and it's actually working and and then you want to go out and apply it in a real game and let the heart rate take over and that's why I I just think there's a lot going on, Jeff. This, this spring training, especially with the Blue Jays that we cover a lot and and throughout Major League Baseball, there's a lot on these guys' plates and that's why for me it'll be intriguing to watch it. All right, a reminder again of uh, the Blue Jays' schedule coming up. The Grapefruit League uh, season begins on Saturday. I'm Yes, on Saturday with the Jays in Bradenton against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Jays are at home on Sunday to play the Yankees in Dunedin. Uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, will have every game this year available streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590. Half of the games will be carried on the radio including this weekend's games the 105 first pitch 
against the Pirates in the 107 first pitch against the Yankees. And uh, Sportsnet TV will also have 22 spring training games this year, uh, starting with Saturday's game against the Pirates and uh, continuing with Sunday's game against the New York Yankees in Dunedin. We've also got a little wrinkle we're adding this year to Blair and Barker. And we're going to tell you about it on the other side of our break. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Sportsnet 360 when the weather permits, which it didn't do today, and I'll tell you more about that later, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we will be back on Sportsnet 360 tomorrow, 11 Eastern to noon Eastern. Be in the radio as well, the duration of spring training. At some point, we'll go up to two hours. But we're not in TV today. We had a little weather in this uh, neck of the woods. And uh, if you're down in Florida, if you're listening to this, because I know a lot of folks down around the, got somebody saying they were listening to us on their phone while they're at the player development complex. Thanks for the picture. Really appreciated the, really appreciated that. Nice seeing everybody in shorts. Really well done. Uh, but we have, we had a little we have a little bit of weather here. Now the good news is uh, at the Blair Broadcast headquarters in Hamilton, we did get the back door unfrozen about an hour ago, so that's good. Side door is a work in process. We you had have a we had a drive car. Is your car full wheel drive? No. We but the huh. but, but uh, yeah we had shall we say just a bit of freezing <laughs> bit of freezing rain last night. So that's why yeah. we're not in TV because. We had to kind of, yeah, it's not just the type of thing where you phone up somebody at 9 in the morning and say, hey, I'm not coming in today uh, because it's on TV. There's some stuff involved with that. So we made the call last night. We will be back tomorrow uh, on Sportsnet 360 and on Sportsnet 590. And as always, you can uh, listen to us via podcast. And uh, if you do, please rate and review in addition to subscribing to the podcast. We got a little... Got a little tweak we've added this year, and we're going to try to figure out how to make it work. We're going to try to make it work in spring training, but we're going to have a dedicated phone line for listeners. Because, as you know, we've been using DMs a lot for Barker's back leg bits, and we, we will still do that. And we still solicit your feedback. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. But we're going to take a few more calls this year than we did last year. Try to get some listener voices in the air. Try to get a little more interaction with the listeners because if you call yourself the fan, you should make it open a little bit to fans. So we haven't figured out exactly how it's going to work yet, but you will have a dedicated phone line. We'll throw out a question, for example, or I'll throw it out in social media. You can call up the line. I'll get Barker to leave the, uh, the, the message on the machine because he'll be much more witty than I am. And that'll give us a chance to interact with you and, uh, hey, give you a chance to hear yourself on radio and podcast. So there you go. We'll give you more details. Uh, we'll give you more details on that as uh, as we get closer to 
to rolling that out. As I said before the break, the Jays start the Grapefruit League this weekend. They will play the Pittsburgh Pirates in Bradenton on Saturday, home against the Yankees on Sunday. And, of course, we spent a great deal of time talking about the new rules, and, and we'll be watching those. But I think beyond the rules, the thing that Jays fans are going to be focusing on, understandably, are the, the newcomers to this lineup, because we've, we've talked an awful lot about that. Of course, Chris Bassett was their big free agent signing. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer signed as well. Kevin Kiermeyer, no stranger to Jays fans, and got a little bit of history with Kevin Kiermeyer from his time with the Rays. But for myself and for a lot of other people, I think the two the two new position players that will be the subject of a great deal of focus are Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho. Both of them brought in to, in the case of Dalton Varsho, improve the Jays' run prevention as well as along with Brandon Belt, giving the Jays an awful lot more balance in their lineup. They, uh, shall we say, listed to the right a great deal last year. Ryan Spielborgs is host of Loud Outs on MLB Radio Network. He's also the Rockies TV analyst and a former MLB outfielder. He has seen Dalton Varsho and Brandon Belt a great deal from his work with the Rockies, and he's the perfect person to... uh, to give us a little taste of what we can expect from these two players, and we're very pleased that uh, he's joining us on Blair and Barker. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for taking time out to speak to us today. We really appreciate your time. When Look, we know, we know about Brandon Belt. You look at Brandon Belt's history. The numbers speak for itself. The injuries also, unfortunately, speak for themselves. But what is Dalton Varsho from what you've seen? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I just uh, to get to the chase too. I have the Toronto Blue Jays as, as my American League uh, favorite to get to the World Series, in part for for a lot of reasons. I mean, this is a really good team, uh, and I feel like they got better. Um, I think there's there's going to be some people that are that are maybe a little upset that they lost to Oscar, um, and you see him go to Seattle. But I think in the case of Dalton Varsho. Here's somebody with a really good baseball background. Uh, his father's been in scouting, you know, former first-rounder. Uh, he, he's a gamer. He's got little arms. He kind of reminds you of Matt Stairs a little bit. Um, he's, he's a bit of a pull hitter, but last year uh, he was the best in outs above average in the outfield. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this guy. He's, he's a really interesting skill set in that he can play the outfield and he can also catch. And I don't know how many guys are out there like that. Uh, I, I would say when it comes to Varsho, um, you know, he did benefit from making a lot of diving plays. And so the outs above average numbers might have been spiked. Uh, but I think overall, you know, this was a lineup that needed some left-handed bats. So you did add Kiermaier, who's probably one of the best center fielders in baseball. Uh, Brandon Belt, who gives you that really kind of solid veteran left-handed bat. He walks a ton. Uh, and now Dalton Varsha, who walks just as much. So I think when you add it all up to what you guys already have in Springer and Bichette and Vladdy Daddy and Kirk, uh, Chapman, like this is a crazy, crazy deep lineup, and now it has a little bit more um, defensive attributes to go with it, and you, you have a little bit more balance in the lineup with righties and lefties. 
Spiller, you, you, you've seen uh, Varsho obviously a lot more than we've seen him. You think he's a top of the lineup guy? Like, could he? Could you squeeze him opening day? You could squeeze him behind Springer and in front of Laddie. He'd be okay doing no. it. No, I, I think he's he's more six seven in the lineup. Just I, I, I mean, like you can you can put him to second. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But I, I think I would I would be comfortable with him with more opportunities to to drive some runners in. Um, you know, I think best case scenario with, with the lineup is if I was to like construct it, um, I think you're, you're probably looking at, you know, I, I'm not a big, and you know, this Kevin, I, I'm not a big advocate to go right, left, right, left, right, left, like just to yeah. do it. Uh, if you're a right-handed hitter and you, and you rake, you, you hit, <laughs> you hit in the lineup. So I don't mind a Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Kirk, um, you know, through the first four, I don't, I don't mind that. I also, you know, if you really wanted to, to squeeze a lefty in there, I probably wouldn't do Kiermaier. I'd probably put Brandon Belt and have Belt hit second. So it gives me a chance because he does take a lot of walks. Um, so if you, if you really wanted to kind of clog the bases, but get that righty lefty matchup up top in front of Guerrero, uh, Belt would probably be a really good uh, spot for him hitting second. And then he can still have Varsho. Uh, probably hitting fifth or sixth. So there, there's a lot of flexibility here. Yeah, you're you're the perfect guy to ask this because you played in Colorado. It, well, you, do you think because of the dimensions at the Rogers Center, obviously being moved in a little bit, right center and and left center and left, straight left field, like they're a little closer now. Obviously, the fences are a little taller. Do you think we'll see a change in his approach? You know, will he become more of a a pull hitter in the big part of the field? Will you see him getting fricks, frisky? Because I know he's a little older guy. He's been around. He's won championships, but he hadn't hit a bunch of homers. I think he. I, I looked it up. He's only hit twenty homers in one season had 80 stakes one season like that's not a ton but you start bringing him into a smaller park leaving san francisco do you think maybe you'll see the approach differently and we'll see some more homers from him i I think you're gonna see more homers i I don't i don't think you're gonna see much of a change in in his approach i mean i i I think when you're 35 years old (laughs) your approach is your approach at this point when you get uh you know over 150 career homers uh, I, I do believe, you know, in Brandon Belt's case, uh, he probably could have hit 30 homers in 2021. He got hit by a pitch in Colorado and broke his wrist when he was at 29. Um, you know, the power has always kind of been there, but you also have to remember San Francisco is one of the worst hitting ballparks in baseball, mm-hmm. and they didn't move the fences in until 2021, and you saw the big bump uh, for, for Brandon Belt. But a lot of those homers are – you know, Belt does hit the ball to center field and left center. So he does have opposite field pop. So, And, and I think that, that benefits really well uh, in the American League East where, you, you know, Yankee Stadium, uh, Toronto, Baltimore, uh, those are all spots where, you know, there, there are homers in there um, for, for left-handed hitters. So, I, I mean, do I think he'll hit 30 homers this year? No. But do I think he's going to be a double-digit walk rate and, you know, a quality at bat and probably hit close to 20? Yeah, I, I do. And I think he can also play a really solid first base when needed uh, if you want to get Guerrero off his feet at first. Ryan, understanding that we haven't even played any games yet, what's, what is your early read on what players are going to have to do to adapt to the various rules changes this year? And, and how, how are the Rockies, for example, incorporating them in their, in their workouts? 
Well, it's not just around. I mean, every single team is putting pitch clocks in live BPs right now. So pitchers and hitters are, are trying to get accustomed to it. Uh, I heard Theo Epstein this weekend. He was talking about uh, the rule changes in the minor league level, and it took three to four weeks for the players to adapt. So I would expect the same uh, from the major league level. It's going to take a couple weeks to adapt to the, the pace of play, especially when you have guys in scoring position late in a game, closer scenario. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that the umpires are going to have a good feel for what's going on. I mean, la- last thing you want to do is have – a game determined by, you know, uh, somebody not standing in the batter's box or a pitcher being slow to the plate. So I don't think that's going to happen. I really hope it doesn't uh, because I don't think it's that's the intention or the spirit of the rule. The spirit of the rule is to, you know, kind of cut the cut the fat out. And for a lot of minor league players that, that I've spoken with and former big leaguers that were in the minor leagues last year, uh, they all really enjoyed the pace of play it did not take them that long to adapt. You can stand in the batter's box. Pitchers can just, you know, you don't have to go to the rosin bag every time or wipe your face. Um, there's also some new rules with pitch calm where, you know, if you're, if you are a pitcher that wants to use it, the pitcher can call their own pitches. So they, you know, you can speed up the process of relaying signs and, and, you know, getting ready to get into action, which I think in general, I mean, we don't want, you know, a three-hour and five-minute game is fine, uh, especially if it's entertaining. But, you know, to get the two-and-a-half-hour game that still moves at the same pace and you're still getting runs scored and, you know, players aren't, like, messing around with batting gloves the whole time, it really makes for a better product. And I, and I, and I agree with it. I'm also going to refrain from, like, really passing judgment on a bunch of these new rules until I see this entire season play out. So I, I, I'm excited for the non-shift. I think that's important. Um, and, I, and I think the pace of play is going to be important. I'm not sure what the bags are going to do. I know it's going to be safer for first baseman and collisions at first. But I, I think I need to see a whole season of this play out before I really feel confident saying, like, well, that, that worked or I did like that or I didn't like that. It's interesting hearing you say that because Barker's been of the same opinion. And, 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 and that opinion is that, look, these guys are really, really really good athletes these are elite athletes in addition to being elite baseball players and they will figure it out yeah no question i mean that's what athletes do i mean you adapt or die so uh i think when it comes to 15 seconds in between pitches for a hitter like that's really not going to be that big of a deal um especially if there's nobody on base would you need a sign to hit a double so you know you can get you can get in the box i think from the pitching standpoint uh, you know, pitchers are going to benefit, uh, even though I, I've, I've heard a couple of pitchers say, hey, listen, you know, these these rules are intended for offenses to, you know, be better, which is true. I mean, we saw one of the league worst batting averages ever last season, and, and a lot of it has to do with how good pitchers are and, and defenses, how they've been able to optimize them. Um, but I do think with the pitch clock and non-shifts, I still think good pitchers will pitch well. I think the benefit for pitchers pitching at a faster pace is that it puts it puts hitters on their heels. You know, like you don't really have a chance to take a deep breath or dig in. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you kind of it's like cramming for a test or when you're late to work and you're trying to like speed up. So, like you you almost make mistakes when you're like that. So, I I think there there's going to be a benefit for both hitters and, and pitchers. 
But I think ultimately, like, the biggest benefit is going to be for the fans, you know, getting a chance to see some diving plays and some more hits, uh, not seeing a, a third baseman in, in right center field. Um, I think that that part of the game is, is going to be, like, appealing to a lot of people. I'm George Springer, and I've moved to right field, and now I have a new center fielder in Kevin Kiermaier. I have uh, Varsho in left field. You've never played with either one of those guys. Is that a tough communication thing in spring training to get used to those guys, or do we overthink that? Like, they're again, I just mentioned, the, and you mentioned it, the great athlete thing. Like, you, you run a good route. You, you say it loud enough. You say it soon enough. The communication thing shouldn't be a big deal. Is, uh, is that a hard conversations to have in spring training, or is that just you got to get out there and play with them around with him and that's the way you figure it out yeah you gotta play around with him uh, i mean the the where you, where you're gonna have you know if you if you've never played with a certain center fielder before you don't really know their range um a, a really good center fielder allows the corners to be more comfortable so like let's say for example george springer uh with kiermeyer in center field springer can maybe shade more towards right field line because he knows that kiermeyer is going to have the gaps and and like when you as an outfielder, you have trust in your center fielder that he has all this area covered. Now I can worry more about, you know, seeing the ball off the bat and having the, the right field, you know, right field and right field line covered so I can take away doubles. Um, you know, you don't, you're never really going to have to worry about your center fielder. The, where, where you do start to worry is when you have a center fielder that doesn't have a crazy amount of range. And you have these these corner guys have to pinch the gaps, and then once that happens, then you have communication on those uh, balls in between. So I don't think that's going to happen with Kiermaier. Um, I think there'll there'll probably be a couple you know baseballs where Varsho's flying to go get it, or Springer's trying to fly to go get one, and you realize that Kiermaier's already there. Um, so that you, you might have one or two of those instances. But I mean, I'm telling you, Kevin Kiermaier from a from yeah, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen him with Tampa, but to watch him every single day, I think the appreciation you're going to have uh, for Kiermaier, he's going to be uh, as good of a center fielder as you've seen probably since like Devon White. And you guys have had some really good center fielders. Um, Devon was one of my favorite ones ever. Uh, and Kiermaier is going to rank right up there for, for any of those old school Toronto Blue Jays fans. You're going to go, oh, crap, like Kiermaier is that good. So um, that should be an exciting thing if, I, if I'm a defensive uh, outfielder with Toronto. All, all these good teams have a a guy you could pick for MVP that you says has to have a great year for them to go where they want to go. Is there one guy for the on the Jays uh, lineup or roster that you think just has to be that guy, like that separator? He goes, they'll go where they want to go. Uh, I think the season hinges on Bo Bichette and his defense at short. I think that's that's going to be the difference for the Blue Jays. If if he is if he's a lockdown shortstop and you get the routine outs and he's making his normal plays. I mean, he he had the what second most errors in baseball last year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's 25. I, I, if he's not, I mean, if this is truly a championship caliber team, you have to have a championship caliber defense. And if Bichette's not capable of providing that at short. Uh, I can see a version of of this team, you know, moving him to second base and trying to figure out, you know, the best case scenario to have a shortstop. Uh, whether you have to go out and, you know, acquire somebody or or if you know Espinal is capable of doing it or Biggio, which I don't think he is. Um, I think Bo Bichette's defense at short is going to be a very big factor in the success of the franchise, especially with the fences being uh, moved in. 
I, I just I can't imagine Toronto benefiting from from poor defense. And so if Bichette's, you know, not the shortstop that he's capable of being, um, I think that's going to be a huge problem. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah. Terrific insight as always. Great Have a great uh, great spring and a great season. We'll be in thanks, touch. Thanks, buddy. All right, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Ryan Spielborgs is host of Loud Outs on MLB Network Radio. He's also the Rockies TV analyst and uh, former MLB outfielder. Interesting insight on Varsho, Kiermaier, and Springer in the outfield and, and you know, and... and the whole issue of communication and getting used to each other, sort of that uh, that second nature stuff, right? Which is a lot of a lot of baseball. It's kind of knowing how the, it's knowing how the guy beside you moves. Uh, I mean, I remember talking to Justin Smoke about this one time about the importance of just seeing Josh Donaldson's throw from third base over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. So that it comes to the point where you can almost close your eyes and you you have an idea where the ball's going to get to you. You kind of need those secondary things, don't you? Yeah, I think so. You know, it never hurts to to be out there with with certain guys and run around with them, and and you know, to just to hear their voice. How loud is it? You know, how soft is it? You need to just little things that can get you through a baseball game, making the plays you're supposed to make, and having Kevin Kiermaier like that. When he's healthy, it's elite. I mean, it's not great. It's elite. And he can cover ground and, and the the jumps he gets and when he leaves his feet and all the things, the corkiness of that stadium now with the higher fences and backing up. I think that, for me, is where the communication thing is. You may have see him playing a little either deeper or a little closer to the infield because if the ball's hit over your head, it's either a double or a homer. So you can sort of take that little jam shot away and, and take away those kind of hits and to have an elite guy who gets the jumps that Kevin Kiermaier gets. And, oh, by the way, Varsha's not too bad either. He's going to do his thing right. over there too. So, yeah, playing with them in spring training, we mentioned that spring training, how important this is. But there's a fine line, Jeff. You know, they tend to get hurt. So you're mm-hmm. trying to keep them healthy, and you also want them to go out there and, and do it full speed. So every time a ball's in the air in the gap, you're holding your breath, hoping that Kiermaier, you know, doesn't hurt himself. And because they're a much better team with the defense, the way it's aligned now in the outfield, and it'd be interesting too. Say Kiermaier gets hurt, you, you move Springer back to center, or is Springer See, no don't. matter what your right fielder? For me too, I, I, I don't. For me, Springer is my right fielder just because it's it's such a high profile move. I've made it. I might as well commit to it. Dalton Varsho can play center. Uh, I, I, maybe they add somebody else uh, who, who, who can Nathan play Lucas center. Nathan can play center if he's your 26 I, I think guy. We've, I think we've all agreed, though, we'd like to see... At some point, we think this team will probably have an upgrade over Nathan Lucas. It seems odd to say this, but a guy who is a right-handed hitter, perhaps uh, an upgrade over, over Nathan Lucas... Uh, in that area. But, you know, I wonder hearing you talk and hearing Ryan Spielborg's talk, I, I kind of I close my eyes and I think back to how that series against the Seattle Mariners unfolded. I think back to that play with Bo and George Springer, and I think Tapia was in left field. Yeah. And, you know, it was... I would love at some point, and I know it's it's a type of wound. I don't think you want to necessarily pick the scab off it in spring training, but 
I would love at some point to get a real breakdown of what happened on that particular play from all the parties involved. And no, just for yeah. not not because I think it's going to happen again, but just because it, that that is, yes, the Mariners, it, it, the way it unraveled was remarkable. But I think for a lot of Jays fans, Kevin, that play sticks in your. I mean, it's just oh. there. You can see it now. I can, you know what? I can see. Bo, I can close my eyes and I can see Bo going back on that play. The the only thing you need to know is the Blue Jays have told you that it's not good enough. Plays like that have to be made. If they're going to win a championship, that's why they put Springer in right field. He's a better right fielder than he is center fielder. Kevin Kiermaier, again, when healthy, he's an elite defender in center. He catches the ball that Springer left his feet for. Standing up, runs through it, calls the guy off because he gets better jumps. He's faster. He's just a better center fielder. That's what they want. That's what they have to have. Spilly said it about – it's a little odd that he mentioned Bo's defense. I thought he would say an offensive player. Guy's got to hit this many homers and drive in this many runs. But he's talking about if you're going to win a World Series, you got to have a World Series shortstop. It's sort of like your outfield defense, right? The, they sort of knew that what they're going to do to the fences and what you need to do defensively to take that away. They're a better team defensively because of who they have in center. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's an intriguing thought, though. You've spent so much focus, or you've had so much focus on improving your outfield defense. You got Chapman at third base, who's really good. You got Vladdy, who's pretty good at first base, and you have the focus is going to be on the shortstop. The focus is going to be on Bo making plays in spring training. Quarterback is the not, infield. Not really any different than it was last year. Uh, Mr. Barker, thank you for doing this. Thank you for those. Uh, thanks to those of you who listened to us today. Again, rate, review, subscribe via podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 to noon Eastern, on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and on Sportsnet 360. Have yourself a great day. And if you're in the Southern Ontario region, drive safely. We'll talk to you tomorrow.